you are listening to Freedom Wrangler's main focus. We are going to talk about something amazing in the Word of God today. We can't wait to share our hearts with you. So why don't you sit back, saddle up, and help us wrangle in the freedom of knowing Jesus. Freedom Wranglers are in the house. We're here to talk about some freedom. Freedom. Here we go again. I'm going to start singing again. We've come to bring you freedom in a way that you've never known it before. We're here to ring that bell. <laughs> We're here to wrangle it in. Me and Chanda. Chanda and I. <laughs> Y'all, we are just half half nuts. No, we have yeah. not been drinking. We've been we've been yeah. drinking the living water, and that's all. Yeah. That's, that's all we right. drink, the living water. But uh we uh yeah, we've had we've had a crazy week, right, Jamie? Yeah, it's just it's- been First, first week of school, right? Yes. Oh yeah. I started going back to school and let me tell you y'all, uh, that first day of school's traffic mm-hmm. is no joke. I don't mess you it. Know? It's, it's like, first of all, you know, the, the excitement in the air, all the kids are all excited. I see my son, he's, he's, he's got his new, new clothes on oh, yeah, and new he's shoes. Cool. So he's styling profile and he's all excited and he's texting all his friends and he's like, I'm, I'm almost at the school. I can't wait to see you. And everybody's going to get to see him over there texting. Yeah. And, uh, the next thing you, know, you get to the car line and then they switch it up on you. They're like, Oh, by the way, you have to go over to the front end of the building and not, you have to go to the back end of the building up front end. So everybody, oh. you can tell everybody's all upset and everybody's freaking out, you know? Mm-hmm. And so in front of me, I saw this guy just kind of yelling at his kid, like, why didn't you like look like he, why didn't you oh, tell me? And Lord. I'm sure the kid didn't know because yeah, he probably yeah, yeah. didn't keep up on the website. No, no kid keeps up on the website for the school. No life. parent keeps up on the website. Let's be real. Anyways. But Uriah swears that he wasn't yelling at him. He's like, mom, he wasn't yelling at him. He's so optimistic. Uriah's optimistic. <laughs> You're like, you know, son, like, <laughs> you can't read body language. Yeah, I, I'm like, I see it. I can tell yeah. he's out here doing this outside the window and doing this to his kid. And I'm just like, what a way to start the day. Yeah. Welcome to your first year of whatever grade and, uh, or your first day and have a good one, son, as I yell at you, you yeah. know? Wow. Yeah. wow. They're co- too concerned about being late for work. I think they could care less. I mean, cause the kid wasn't late for school. So yeah, there's that pressure that moms and dads feel, unfortunately, that, you know, it, I remember taking hours and it was, the traffic was nuts. Sometimes, you know, all the moms want to walk up to the building with the kids and picture, get the picture yeah. and all that jazz. And it's like traffic. I remember we would have to park and walk and I'm yeah. like, this is stupid, you know? So I do not miss that. And then the yeah. pressure, I would always have to take that first day off. I was be like, I-, I can't, I can't go to work after this. This is too much, you know? Mm-hmm. And by day two, it's nothing. And you yeah. just drop them and roll. Why is yeah. one day so big? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I just think everybody's emotions are up high. That they, they just Maybe. get foggy. Let me ask you this. Did your mommy and daddy take a picture of you every year before you started school? Honestly, no. No, <laughs> me neither. And they didn't put the chalkboard up either. Look, it's the first day at school. Girl. Girl. First girl. No, no, I'm just saying we just didn't do that. We didn't do that neither. We we didn't it's do not that necessary. It's there not necessary. There are four kids. You you were you grew up with four kids. You have four kids in your family. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll you it was it was done. You know, when you have nowadays, I guess people just have one or two kids, so that's it. But 
maybe just one, but now, you know, back when we were growing up, it was four kids, you know, you got a litter of kids. It's like, Hey, get on up to get out, get on up time for school. Yeah. <laughs> Put your clothes uh, on. <laughs> Mama made your lunch and there's your breakfast. Get out yeah. the door. Yeah. yeah go. And, and we'll see you for, we'll see you later for dinner. You know, uh-huh. just don't be coming back in here. Don't be messing up my floors. That's my right. floors are clean. You stay outside. <laughs> oh, we got locked out in the summertime in my house. That's, yeah. I mean, it was like, no, don't come in here. Yeah. And you know, uh, I just think that there's a generation that we're just creating wimps, but that's a whole nother topic. And we're not here to talk about that today. We want to raise bold, strong individuals, not wimpy woo-woos that get their picture taken in front of a chalkboard. And when there's a puddle, they don't know how to go around the puddle and they're afraid to get their feet wet. And You know, in today's society, I think that we have allowed our kids to become weak. And I'm talking from a Christian perspective. We are not raising a bold generation. We are raising entitled so-and-sos. Now, that's not everybody. But I'm talking in a very broad spectrum that there's a whole lot of very entitled individuals out in this world that, for me, um, yeah. Well, you know, I got to, just to be fair... (laughs) Just to be fair, we didn't have Instagram and we didn't have Facebook and we didn't have this pressure. Um, We didn't have the, this pressure that they have nowadays to keep up with the Joneses backyard. Now, now the backyard is on the internet. So now you got moms and dads feeling like they have to compete on Facebook that I love my child because I take a picture of them, Mm. you know, and that means that I took the time to do that for them and that I am a good parent you know, or that it, it makes them feel, I guess, something and some kind of for even the parent to feel like, okay, I, I need to do this because I need to prove that I'm just as good as the parent as the next parent. It's kind of like keeping up with the Joneses. It's a so competition. Just, just to be fair, it's just, that's what it is. Now, we didn't grow up with that. Mm-hmm. We didn't grow up with it, with having the pressure of the internet or the, the you know, cell phone, uh, fast paced internet and all that kind of stuff. So we didn't have that. Hey, we, we use telephone. We used the pay phone. If we needed to call mom and daddy, we had a pager. So things were different. We didn't have these pressures that y'all are dealing with, but you know, there comes a point where we need to really look at our lives and well, see think, what type yeah. of children we're raising. Are we raising Instagram children? No. Are you raising a filter? Or are you yeah. raising a genuine article that knows who God is, mm-hmm. knows their identity in Christ, and has mm-hmm. a boldness to pursue the things of Christ and what God has called them to do? Right. That's what I'm looking at because I unfortunately, and I'm not down on this next generation coming up because they're the next generation. Mm-hmm. We need them. But mm-hmm. we as the parents, and I'm not. I'm using we again in general, I'm not picking on anybody in particular, but we as Christian parents have got to really begin to instill a boldness. See, we come from a generation that was pretty bold. We were, (laughs) we were not like, listen, we didn't get a participation medal. You either got first, second, or third. If you didn't come in, in those top three spots, you got nothing. Thank you for participating. Was your handshake and good day. We didn't just give you a ribbon because you showed up. 
we have done this inclusive thing. I know I've gone off on tangent, but we've done this inclusive thing that has actually created a weaker society. And I really want to focus on Christianity today. And because there've been some things that God has been really kind of showing me from two different perspectives. One is from boldness. The other one is from having our eyes focused on the Lord. And I want to talk a little bit about Mount Ararat and a guy called Noah. And I think that Noah was probably one of the boldest dudes in the Bible. If you know the story about Noah, man, Noah was told by God to build an ark of gopher wood. He didn't know (laughs) what an ark was. God gave him the dimensions and the measurements and said, build it. Mm -hmm. It hadn't rained. But Noah said, okay, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. You, I mean, they laughed at him. They mocked him. His own family probably mocked him. Mm -hmm. But he did it anyways. And he built this ark. And then the rain starts and all the animals are inside. And his family goes in and away they go. And where does the ark end up? The ark ends up on Mount Ararat when the water recedes and the door opens by the hand of God and there's a rainbow. And that rainbow is the significance. It's that sign of God's promise to us that he would never destroy the world by a flood again. That's right. It's God's covenant with man. Mm -hmm. Because of Noah's boldness, he was taken to the mountaintop. Might've been in an ark, but he was still taken to the mountaintop. Mm -hmm. And God made a covenant with him. What kind of things can take place in our lives if we are obedient to God? If we are bold like Noah, what mountaintops can we go to in our lives today that God could use us and the covenants he would make with us? And I think that we as Christians have to be bold. I'm I'm a bold individual. You know that about me, Jamie. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously the first couple of minutes of this, I was quite bold and said some things that, you know, to be honest, it could offend somebody. And I'm sorry if it does offend you. Your pictures I know are super cute on Instagram and your children are adorable. I would never, ever, you know, uh, discredit a, an adorable child given a big cheesy grin on their first day. <laughs> However, <sighs> boldness is something where we have to be able to, we have to be willing to step out of the norm and out of the status quo and do something that is completely different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another man who had an experience on a mountain was Moses. And we talked a little bit about Moses last week, mm-hmm. but Moses had two experiences on the mountain. So the first experience that he had was with a burning bush. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine like being out there and here's this burning bush and it's like, well, it ain't being consumed, but there's a whole lot of fire coming from it. What is going on? Mm-hmm. And God speaks to him and then tells him, go, you're going to go set your people free. Mm-hmm. And he was scared because we all know that Noah, ref- not no, sorry, Moses kind of was like, oh, not me, God. I can't talk like you, you got to send somebody else, you know, and um, he has that little debate with God, but he still steps into the role. 
And then God brings him back out through the wilderness, takes him to Mount Sinai. And what does he give him on Mount Sinai? Ten commandments. God tends to meet you in the mountaintops. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that we forget that he is there on the mountain. And I don't know about you, Jamie, but I always view the mountain as the good places. Me too. Yeah. Like that's like the high point, you know, um, you know, cause we, we've talked on the podcast about valleys, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. but, but he also meets us on the mountaintop, like you're saying, you know, and the mountain represents, uh, prosperity. It, it, it represents, um, uh, that you made it, yes. that you've arrived. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think about. I think about when you get to the mountaintop that you've arrived, you made it you're successful, you know, prosperity, you know, all the good things, mm-hmm. all you can think of all these good things when you reach a mountaintop. That, that's what I think of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we look at that, it's like, there's our successes happen and that's a mountain. That's the peak. It's like, Ooh, look at the success that I've had. And you kind of get on that high, you mm-hmm. know, because But I think that something that we do as human beings and the children of Israel are some of the greatest examples of this is Mm -hmm. we forget that it's God who actually brought us to the mountaintop and he's actually there with you on the mountaintop in the success, but we forget and we start taking the credit. Oh, I did this myself. Mm -hmm. Mm. I edited that just right. I wrote that just perfect. And God Mm -hmm. just took it, you know, like, and and I, I did it by myself. God Mm -hmm. wasn't involved in it at all, but he was there in the valley with me. Mm -hmm. He was there in those dark places. He was walking along with me. So we give him all the credit and all of of the space, if you like. We give him his place in the valley and the dark places. But we, for some reason, forget to give him his place on the mountaintop. Mm Mm-hmm. And the children of Israel did this and actually God responded to them in Deuteronomy um, 8, 6 through 10. This is what God says for them in a new season ahead in their life. He says, so keep the commands of the Lord, your God, by walking in this way and fearing him for the Lord, your God is bringing you into a good land. Now they've been wandering around the desert. Mm-hmm. And they're promised a land with streams, springs, and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, vines, figs, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. When you eat and are full, you will will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Listen. Y'all know that like prior to that, they were just eating manna, which means what is it? And they had some quail. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all they've been mm-hmm. eating. Mm-hmm. And so God's saying, hey, I'm about to take you into something really new. But God says this, be careful. This is verses 11 through 18. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord, your God, by failing to keep his commands ordinances and statutes that I'm giving you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud 
and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness. He brought water out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained his wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow and worship to them, I testify against you today that you will certainly perish. Mm. Yeah, I think that's so interesting that you said you're saying all that because it's like, you know, we can get distracted by the abundance of the things that we have. Yes. Yes. You know, we can get so distracted and then, you know, until God will take it away. I don't know. It could be as simple as your internet not working. And then all of a sudden you're like, ah, 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 oh no, it's over. I'm going to, I'm going to faint without my internet. Right. <laughs> oh, I can't there's get no my electricity. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and you know that I think that one of the things that we don't ever talk about as Christians, because everybody looks at the mountain. That's a good spot. I want to be on the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. But just as there are dangers in the valley, there's dangers on top of the mountain too. Mm-hmm. Pride is a danger on top of That's the mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, um, selfishness is a danger on top of the mountain. And so they kind of look a little bit different than what you go through in the valley, but you got to be careful. And that's the thing is that like Moses said it to them, be careful, <laughs> be careful. Hey, don't forget God, be careful. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the, what I'm trying to get across today is that when we reach the precipice of our mountain, because the reality of life is that we are going to go through hills and valleys. We are going to, that is life. We reach a peak, but you got to come down from the mountain at some point. Mm-hmm. And the Lord, our lives, we must be doing something right because the enemy is consistently attacking our lives. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus said it never, he never said it'd be easy. There will be trials. It's how we handle those trials. He will take us up to the peak of the mountain. We have a totally different perspective when we get up there. But again, sometimes our perspective is focused on, look at what I did. I got all the way up here. I did it all by myself. Mm-hmm. I am so awesome. God who? Who God? Mm. And we become comfortable. And in that comfortableness of the abundance of the Lord, because it's only from him. Every good thing comes from God in that abundance. What tends to happen to us is we then become stagnant in our walk with Christ. And then all of a sudden a challenge hits and guess where you go right back on your knees. Oh, heavenly father, I really need your help in this situation. I need you to come with me. I need your help. Mm -hmm. And you come out of that Valley and you start to have an exciting moment in your life, something good is taking place. And dare you forget him again? Mm-hmm. So I say we've got to make sure that we don't forget the Lord because God said it in that three times it was said, don't forget the Lord your God. Don't forget the Lord your God. Don't forget the Lord your God. Right. And, um, I think that just like the Israelites, I know for me, 
God has done immeasurably more in my life than I could ever imagine. Yeah. And I think that he's been on those mountaintops and there have been these amazing moments that he's worked and I didn't see that it was his hand. I didn't recognize that it was his hand because see, it's so easy to see the hand of God moving in your life when you're in the valley because mm-hmm. it's dark and it's hard. And then when something good happens, when he moves, it's like, that's God. You mm-hmm. recognize it. But when you're way up on the mountaintop, sometimes the sunshine is so bright that you can't see you're blinded by the goodness that's all around you. And you don't recognize that it's his hand. Yeah. You're in a comfort zone. Yes. So comfortable. You're just like, oh yeah, this is great. Got the Mm -hmm. sun. I've got the view. I've got, I've got the internet. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we can't forget why God brought us so far. Like, why has he done these things in our lives? You know, Um, and, and because there was a purpose for him moving the Israelites through the wilderness and taking them you know, into the promised land. He had a purpose for that. And of course, his eternal purpose, when you look at it, was if he had to establish those people, the Israelites, he had to establish them in the tribes of Israel so that Jesus could be born, so that the entire world could receive salvation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we can't forget There is a purpose of why he takes us to the peaks, why he takes us to those precipices of amazing times and highs in our lives. I call them the highs of our life, you know? Yeah, Um, they're great. And I think that's where the testing takes place, to be honest with you, because I think about, I think about David, King David, and I think Mm. I, I spoke to you about this, where David was on a high where yes. he just conquered the Philistines and they got the Ark of the Covenant coming in. And he's getting that placed. And then his his wife, Michael, is like, or was it Mikkel or what? I don't know how to say it. It was, yeah. it was anyway. Uh, she was saw him and he was dancing in the streets so happy. He's like, woohoo, yeah, you know? Yes. And she just despised him because he was happy, or he might have been fully naked, but he was naked. <laughs> and yeah. he was running around and excited that he got, you know, mm-hmm. that he won. But he was at the peak of his life yeah and then he has a moment where he stood back from going to war because they had another um they had another battle going on that's right it was the season of war yeah it was springtime it was springtime he didn't go Mm -hmm. this time and he was at the peak he Mm -hmm. was at his peak and then he falls for Bathsheba right at that moment yeah and it's like and then you know the story of what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, he he ends up committing adultery. He ends up impregnating her. And she was married to Uriah the Hittite, mm-hmm. who was an amazing warrior. Yeah. And he tries to manipulate him to sleep with his wife. But he couldn't do it because in, in the throngs of war as a warrior, there's a warrior code where you don't sleep, you know, have relations with... um people with your wife when your other soldiers are um out fighting a war so there's like a a warrior code and he didn't want to do that and um king david was like oh my gosh and he tries to get him drunk yeah it was a covenant that they had made with god that they would not do that 
that the men would go to war, but they would not have been with their wives and um, because it's a distraction. And yeah, you're right. You know, he was at a wonderful place in his life and he became distracted at the good. He became lazy. He became careless at that amazing moment in his life. And I also, you know, when you read into that story and understand how his wife responded, she was upset with him. She rejected him for his praise to the Lord. And I believe that in a way that did something to him because here he is. I've got the Ark of the Covenant. Hallelujah. And he is dancing and singing and stripped down and doing it. And she was disgusted with him, but he would do that. And so I believe that she even, she stole his praise in a way mm-hmm. by that rejection. And then it drove him to other things. You know, he became, like you said, he became lazy because the springtime was when they went to war. That's when battle took place. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's sad. And I think that we have to not look at the coincidences the quote-unquote luck or flukes in our life and say oh that's just a coincidence no we need to look at those and say that's the hand of god yes that's his hand different perspective yeah and you know jesus went through standard life he was a carpenter Mm -hmm. you know his he had siblings he had to deal with he it wasn't always on the peak of the mountaintop Mm-hmm. that everything took place there was real life that took place for jesus so he gets us and he understands but he is the one who can open our eyes to see our mountaintop moments if we just lean into jesus if we just hold his hand like if we haven't been able to see it before i think that it's something we need to ask him show me your hand in my life during these times, because I'll be honest, I don't know about you, Jamie, but like when life is good, Mm -hmm. I can slack when it comes to the Lord. I've done it in the past. And he really opened my eyes to that a few years ago that it was like, why, when everything is good, do you not seek me just as earnestly as when things are bad? Do you only want to spend time with me when things are rough? Mm. Do you not want to spend time with me when life is good and I'm blessing you and pouring out my blessings upon your life? Mm -hmm. And it really challenged me. And that's why I've had to, you know, reading these two books and one is eyes up and it talks about that, the mountaintops, but there's so many different mountains in the Bible. And we mentioned this last week and God just keeps bringing the mountaintops to the forefront of my mind Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I think it takes some boldness to move toward the mountaintops I think Mm -hmm. just like Noah we have to pursue the things that God tells us to do and then recognize his hand when we reach the mountain and Mm -hmm. it's like who was there giving you a push when when the climb was tough the Lord, the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And then who's there looking at everything, the beauty around you and smiling with you, the Lord, he wants to be in every aspect of our lives. But so many times we cut him out Mm -hmm. because when life's good, I don't need God. 
Mm. What a lie. That just goes back to what we were talking about last week. We're lying to ourselves. Yeah. It's like the Lord allows us to get to that mountain just to test us. And you think about it, Jesus, you know, when he was being tested, he went to the mountain. I think that's interesting as well. Yeah. And that's, I mean, 40 days and 40 nights. That's where he spent his time. Mm -hmm. And in the wilderness, you look at that and you're just like, whew. But you can't have mountains without valleys. Right. And vice versa. They don't mm-hmm. exist. When you look at topography, they just don't exist with one without the other. Yeah. So they need each other. Yeah. Just as we need to lean in in the mountains and the valleys. Yeah. And if anything, we should be more wary when we get to that mountaintop. We should be knowing that testing is coming. Mm-hmm. We should know right when we get to it, where we're on cloud nine or, you know, we're where we're at the top. Yes. I don't mean, I don't like using the word cloud nine. Excuse me. I, t- I digress that. But <laughs> when we get to the top of the mountain, then that should be a very clear thing to us to mm-hmm. know. All right. Something's about to happen. You need to lean into Christ. You need to lean into him because something's about to go down. Because it's not natural for us to be in a fallen world and things to be going so well for us. That's that's right. All the time. There's always going to be trials. And the bolder we are with our faith, the more trials that will come against us. But it's how we handle them. And it's again, it comes back to turning our eyes to the Lord. Eyes up to who he is in our lives, who he is to us. And the strength that he gives us, but then, you know, having the boldness and it's funny because I'm, I'm shared earlier that I'm reading this book called bold and it's bold moving forward in faith, not fear is the title of the book by Sean Foyt. Mm-hmm. It's powerful because we do have to move forward in faith. And this is not just a book that applies to during COVID or applies to political situations. This book should be read by every Christian because we should be moving forward in our walk with Christ in Christ in faith, not in fear. We shouldn't be scared to move forward in faith. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about your faith in Jesus or your Christianity as a faith, I'm talking about you just trust God that he is good, that he's going to do everything that he said he's going to do. And that you trust that his plan and his purpose for your life is straight on good and everything's going to work together. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. People use the word faith to describe Christianity. But that's not what faith is. Faith is believing in something you can't see or trust or touch, but you trust it. You know that it's going to come out. It's going to happen. Yeah, That's what faith is. Because, I mean, we've all heard it, you know, um, we've never seen the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. It's the same thing with God. I've never seen God. I've never met Jesus face to face, but I've seen his effect in my life. Right. 
Yeah. The Holy Spirit's effect in my life. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't I want to move forward in a strength of boldness and faith? Mm-hmm. You know, so he talks about a lot of amazing things, but one of the things that I'm going to share this and we're going to kind of wrap this up about bold faith is that a lot of Christians don't think that it's good that there were people going out and worshiping the Lord during lockdowns and COVID and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he got labeled a super spreader, Sean. That's yeah, what they I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that. And and the the grief that he received from other Christians and the pushback was unbelievable. They were like, "You're breaking the law." I like kind of listened to this and I thought, oh my gosh, breaking the law. And you know what his response was? His response was, and he's a missionary. He he has a full-blown missions um, organization as well. He said, I've broken laws in other countries to get Bibles in there. What's the difference? That's okay. But singing worship and praise to my God publicly without a mask on, that's breaking the law. Why does, why is it okay to do it in another country and break the law, but not here? Mm. And I thought, man, you just challenged some people because how do they explain that? Mm-hmm. They don't, but I will read this excerpt from his book because it's just yeah. so powerful. And it's, he's talking about the upper room and he's talking about bold prayers. And he says mm-hmm. a courageously praying church was the primary outflow of the upper room moment that launched the church in acts one and two, the disciples were facing the highest level of threats, violence, and intimidation seen in the new Testament and had many reasons for despair. And yet they did not shy away or give in to fear. Mm. Prayer was the source of their strength and the catalyst mm. of their movement. Mm. Skip forward a couple of chapters to Acts 4, and guess what? We read that Peter and John are arrested as they preach that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Mm -hmm. They become a target a short time earlier for healing a lame beggar in the name of Jesus. They were thrown into jail for the night before the Sanhedrin the next day. And when religious leaders saw their resolve to continue to proclaim the name of Jesus, they threatened them and then released them. The two men returned to the other believers to tell them what happened and to lead the church in prayer for what? An increase in boldness. Mm. These guys are out here and they're like, so acts. They were targeted. They were. They were targeted. But what is so awesome is that in Acts 4, 29 and 30, it says this. This is their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They asked God to do more extravagant things to get Mm -hmm. them in more trouble. Yeah. And I just love that because it lit a fire in me to say, wait a second. I want to be that bold for the Lord. I want to not, not getting arrested just for the sake of getting arrested, but I want the 15 year old girl that wore an anti-abortion t-shirt that got suspended from school. I want her to resurface that wasn't afraid to say, no, I'm not changing my shirt just because it bothers you and you agree with abortion. I want to be able, because I have a freedom of speech in this country. 
Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. want to be that bold. And I want to recognize that if I'm on the mountaintop being bold or I'm in the valley being bold, that my God is with me in both of those places. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think almost, if you think about it, we kind of had a reprieve when president Trump was president, where we could say Christmas again, where we could have nativity scenes up for Christmas because Obama took that all away from us, Yeah, yeah. you know? And it's like, we had this, all of a sudden we felt this momentum of Christianity, especially with Mike Pence being at Trump side. It was just yeah. <laughs> surreal. It was amazing. And we had this momentum and we were on a mountain. Yeah. You know, it was so nice. And then everything just kind of crumbles mm. before us when we see that a oh, Biden, mm-hmm. I said, oh, Biden, Biden, mm-hmm. when Biden became president, it was like this, this mighty depression coming over, you know? So, it was like we were a drug from the mountain. Yeah, it was like, oh, what just happened, Lord? Mm-hmm. But he's like, but I'm here. And here's the thing. We might think, wait a second. What are you doing, Lord? We, you just took us right on back down to the valley. But the boldness of people like Sean Foy mm-hmm. is taking us back up to the mountaintop. And he's like, I'm here. It don't matter where we're at. I'm always here. I'm always doing something. And, you know, he has made a way. There's just so many stories in this book. I I highly, I don't want to sit and like read the book to you all. I want you guys to get it because it is so powerful. I literally, I ordered it off of Amazon and I had it the same day. And um, it's just such a powerful book because it shows us too. This is the other thing I'll share about him. Because I admire Sean. I I don't idolize Sean, but I admire uh-huh. him and his boldness. And he's a great example of how we can be bold for the Lord. Sean thought in 2020 that he was going to become a congressman. Oh, yeah. I remember that. He thought that that was the plan for his life. So he was riding that wave. He was up on the mountaintop. And then the election failed and he didn't win. But I tell you this, that he, during that time, made the decision. They found a place to live in Washington, D.C., near Capitol Hill. And they had this property and he lost the election. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's like, that. he's like, Lord, what, why do I need this place? Mm-hmm. What he didn't know is that God was orchestrating and lining things up because way before Roe v. Wade, when he started the whole Let Us Worship movement, and it kind of took off, he felt called to go to Washington, D.C. and pray at the Capitol, to pray on the steps of our Capitol building and to lead worship. He was doing this. And then he gets the word and he's walking around DC. God prompted him, walk around and pray against Roe v. Wade. And so he did. And then what did we see take place in July? Roe v. Wade was over. Huge praise report. Yeah, huge. And he said, God has positioned me now that I have a place to stay when I go to DC. And do you know what he does? And it just gets me overwhelmed. He... If you, I will give him this title. He's never said it himself, but he's the worship leader to men and women in Congress and Senate. Mm -hmm. 
the Christians mm. that are there, he's leading them in worship and praise to our praise God, God in the capital of this nation. So he thought, so that's what he's doing now. That's what he's doing. Oh my word. He what goes a there regularly outside of doing all the let us worship, worship services and doing his mission stuff. He still goes to DC and he ministers to these people that are fighting for our freedoms. And so where Sean thought that he was going to be that person arguing the point and fighting for our freedoms, he's actually ministering and uplifting the people that are doing this. God positioned him and he didn't even know God was positioning him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you look at it and it's just like how many times we have to look back just like the children of Israel had to look back and see all the things God had done for them. We must look back and we must write down the things he's done in our lives. And when you start to write it down and you look at it, you can see how point a connects to point B to takes us to see, yeah. to put us yeah. to where God wants us. That's to be. right. He will close those doors. He closes doors, but then he swings wide open these other doors because his divine purpose is what's going to happen. Yes. God has already orchestrated, just like you were talking before the foundation of the world. He already knew what Sean Foyt was going to be doing. And you know what? To Even this thought came across to me about Donald Trump. I know I had said, oh, things changed. We were on a mountaintop. Everything was good. But because of the foolishness of God is wiser than men. Mm -hmm. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Mm -hmm. So I think about that. And I'm like, well, maybe we were worshiping Trump. Maybe that's why he needed to be put out for a little bit. Yeah, we could say, oh, it was rigged. It was, but hey, God's hand is still on, you know, he's still on this. But maybe he's rising up people yes. like Sean Foytes and all these other people that we could rise up as a people, as a mm-hmm. church, as the bride of Christ waiting on Jesus's return. Amen. Amen. That's exactly it. And creating unity where there has been no unity. See, he has been able to bring people from all denominations together. Mm -hmm. He has been able to go into the cities that everybody said, nah, they ain't going to listen to you. They don't want you in New York. He just went to New York recently and the people rushing up to get on their knees at an altar in the streets Mm -hmm. blew my mind. Because it's the places that everybody says they don't want you there. They don't want God there that they're so desperate for him. Yes. Desperate for God. And so dare we become that desperate for God? Dare we become to seek him that earnestly? Girl. And you know, I have to say this because I, I was weeping yesterday because I saw a video of this man and I don't know who he is. But I saw him and he was at Liberty University. Okay. And this guy comes running and crying on the stage for help. He some kind of mental thing. He had a mental breakdown. This man had a mental breakdown. And Liberty University had these guest speakers there. And that one of the guest speakers was Jordan Peterson. And he's a known psychologist that he's been going through something himself. And you get to see that God is working on his heart. But this guy bum rushed the stage of the university, crying in desperation that telling Jordan that I am unwell and I need help. He Mm. was crying. This man Mm. 
just in pure desperation. And that's how we have to be. We have to humble ourselves and we have to realize that we are desperate for God. He, he was running because he wanted to hear what Jordan Peterson had to say, but the truth of the matter is here's Jordan Peterson putting his hand on him with this other guy praying for him. Mm -hmm. So we all know what power this young man needs and he needs the touch of God and how many other people out there need the hand of God on their life to change them. That's right. That's where we're at. It is where we're at. And there is, I believe that there is a revival coming. Some people are saying, well, it's already here, but the Bible says that greater works will we do than what Jesus did. We were going to see greater things. And so I'm waiting for those greater things, but I believe that it's starting. It's like a wave. It's a tidal wave. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of the wave. You kind of see it just slowly coming in, but it's going to come in faster and it's going to come in harder. Mm -hmm. And I know that there is a, that we live in a world that is desperate for God. Yeah. And I, you know, tongue in cheek joked a little bit about the generations underneath us, but this generation is looking for authenticity. This generation is looking for transparency. They're looking for a void to be filled in their lives and it's God. And when they find him, watch out because they're some of the most vocal individuals who will shut you down if you don't agree with them. But now let's get them on the page and show them Jesus so that they can tell others about him and they won't be shut down. They'll have a bold faith. Yeah, that's what I'm praying for. Me too. Me too. We have to pray for the younger generation. We have to pray for boldness and we have to recognize his hand when we don't recognize it, when we don't see it. And so my desire, your desire as freedom wranglers is to really see people come to know Christ and generations and lives changed. And so that is why we started this podcast. Yep. Because we were just a little crazy and a little bit bold enough and felt that God led us to this to say, we're not going to be silenced. We're going to talk about our Lord. And it might be one or it might be a million people that listen to it, but that's all that matters. And so there is a world that is craving and rushing. Yes. Seeking a savior. Are we ready to receive them? And you guys need to ask yourselves that. Are you ready? Are you ready to get down on your knees and get down dirty in the trenches with those that need Jesus? Because it's going to get messy. It is going to get messy. And don't be afraid. Don't think it's weird that somebody's crying out for help. That's right. Be joyful that they are wanting for help. That they want help. Yeah. That That they're talking instead of jumping off a bridge. That's it. That's it. Because too many lives, too many innocent lives were snuffed out by the enemy during that time. I listened to something last night and it said, if I were the devil, I would shut down a world with a sickness. If I were the devil, I would isolate people Mm. so that they would feel alone and lost and 
have no purpose. If I were the devil, I would destroy families. And it went on and on for probably about two and a half minutes. And it was every single thing we have seen in the past two and a half years. So everything that we've seen was a plan that the enemy laid out. But here's the thing. Yeah. He's not, he's not a secret devil. He's not a secret enemy. Everything he does, he's so blatant. If you were playing cards with him, he'd have him facing you so you could see his whole hand. Yeah, it's true. It's he's, true. he's not sneaky. And as my mother has always said, he's just a mouse with a microphone. So he's not scary either. And he is not in control. Our God is in control. That's right. And so we as Christians, instead of adhering to lockdowns, adhering to masks, adhering to not going to church, we should be knocking on our neighbor's door. You okay? Yeah. Do you need anything? That's right. Because I think that there were people that were so lonely and so scared during that time. And I was so fortunate to live in a state that opened up fast. Mm -hmm. But I can only imagine what people went through, especially elderly people and people with anxiety and depression. Yeah. That was the biggest ploy of the enemy to crush it. It really was. So guys, be encouraged, be bold, be fearless, take your faith to the next level, but don't forget him on the mountaintops because it's going to be great times. Don't forget him. That's right. That's right. That's right. We love you. And if anybody out there is feeling alone or just feeling like nobody can, nobody's hearing them or cares about them, just know that we're praying for you and we love you Yes. and that you aren't alone, but that Jesus is here. He's waiting to grab your hand and he wants to restore your life Amen. and he loves you. Yes. Jesus is here. And so reach out to us on social media. We're there. We will respond. We are not above responding at all. Yes. Instagram, TikTok, and you know, we do have an email account, which is freedomwranglers at gmail.com. So hit us up. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. And we yes. love you. And so get you. out there and wrangle that freedom, guys. Yes. Love y'all. You've been listening to Freedom Wranglers. That music right there is Later Alligator by Shane Ivers, and you can find that at www.silvermansound.com. We also want to thank Goodman Ministries for all of their financial support for this podcast. Now, don't you forget to saddle up, sit back, and wrangle in freedom this week.